American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Down the bitch gang. Yay. Uh, five on the floor. Ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing. You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor plan. Got an all band. Y'all seen the block. Stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust. It's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're now on Red Circle as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit like and subscribe. Also, check us out on FiveReasonsSports.com. You get the latest takeaways from Brady Hawk. And the latest columns from Mateo Mayorga, plus plenty of content on the other teams in town. We'll be covering Dolphins minicamp this week. And, of course, Alex Baumgartner has been with the Panthers for the Stanley Cup Finals. Let's see if we, they can turn things around. Also, check out our great sponsors. One of our sponsors, you're going to find him at our next watch party. It's our guy Mark at You Break Wheel Fix. Check him out at YouBreakWheelFix.com. This is the complete wheel solution they do everything there from the repairs we know the roads of south florida can be really unforgiving but also they do the refinishing they do the powder coating they do the polishing they do everything they can give you the cool colors too if you want the heat colors don't get those nuggets colors check them out at youbreakwheelfix.com again that's youbreakwheelfix.com or just go to them They're in the aventura area you can also follow them on instagram at youbreakwheelfix they, they post a lot of their work there mention five reasons and you'll get a discount. Again, it's youbreakwheelfix.com. Now, today's episode. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I'm Ethan Skolnick. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick at Five Reasons Sports. And the two guys who were with me at practice today, you can follow them at BradyHawk305 and at Tropical Blanket. A lot of people nationally finding out about Tropical Blanket now from uh, various accounts retweeting him and posting his stuff today, trying to figure out who that masked man is. It's Alex Toledo. We're going to go through what happened in practice today. You can also follow it on the YouTube channel. We did about a five-minute video there earlier, but I want to go through the points quickly because there was some news today and some other things that came out of the two availabilities, uh, both the Nuggets and the Heat at Kasaya Center. And then the second half of the episode, we're going to touch on a stat that uh, was put out there today. and it's, it's remarkable. It's what the Heat have done in the fourth quarter in the playoffs. And they are doing things no team has ever done in NBA history. So we're going to go through the reasons why, because if they win the championship, their play in the fourth quarter is going to be the reason. But let's go through today, number one, and then just real quick comments from you guys on, on these things. I'll go to one and then the other. Tyler Hero has been declared out for game three. We expected this. We know that the national media has been putting out something different. I don't think it's their fault. But something is being leaked to the national media that's not being told to the local media. And we've been saying here consistently – we didn't really expect Tyler, even though he might have been ahead of schedule from what he was initially projected to be, 
We didn't expect him to be back for game two for sure. We knew that that came out. We didn't expect him for game three. Our guy Sean Rochester tweeted that. We confirmed that information. And honestly, I don't really expect him to see him the rest of this series. Uh, I know he's come out and talked about how he's still dealing with some discomfort. This feels to me a little bit like 2013 Bulls against Heat, where before every game, Derrick Rose worked out. We were expecting Derrick Rose to potentially play, and it was a troll the entire time from the Chicago Bulls. Derrick Rose never played in that series. I don't think they ever had any intention for Derrick Rose to play in that series. I don't necessarily believe that Tyler Hero is going to play in this series. We keep hedging a little bit because, look, anything can happen. These situations are fluid, but the information we've been getting all along was that he was not ready to go and not in this particular situation. So there you are. Uh, I'll go to you first on this, Brady. I mean, does it matter? To, I mean, to, to, not, not does it matter could he help, because we've talked about that a lot, but does it matter that they get some clarity here, I guess, at least for game three? Um, does it matter in either team's context? Probably not. <laughs> like, I feel like it doesn't change anything for the Heat, and it probably doesn't change anything for the Nuggets because they're prepping with for without Tyler, but they also obviously have to be ready for the weird circumstance where he does play, where they have to kind of mix some things up. Uh but I don't know if it makes that big of a difference. Like in terms of, we've talked about the fact that Miami got here without him. They don't, it's not like a situation where you need his return that badly to come back. Uh, and you've heard him kind of talk about the things where he's worried about even like messing up the chemistry of the team where he's even having those internal discussions with himself about that. Like when you hear that type of stuff, uh, it's just interesting to hear. So I don't, I don't know if it makes that big of a difference, but if you're in a situation where a guy could potentially come back where, where there's even a discussion to be had, why not play this game? Like if you're Miami, that's, that's kind of my thing is like, if there's a chance that he could w keep the other team guessing, don't, why would you rule him out for the series? If you could play this game. So it, it makes sense to me. Yeah. I'm with you on that. All right, Alex, I'm going to go to the next thing today uh, that was discussed. And it, it was Jimmy Butler and, and Jimmy Butler uh, essentially said this. He says, he says, I, well, he said, he, he said, he's not a scorer first. I mean, that, that was the first part of this. Uh, and essentially says he plays to win, not to score. That's not the exact quote. I had the exact quote here on my Twitter, but there were so many quotes today. I don't have it. But let me just ask you this question. If he's going to score at this rate in this series, or he's going to be somewhat inefficient like he was in the last game, can they win? Um, can they? Yeah, but it's not ideal. I don't think that's the blueprint for them going forward. Um, just the fact that you were able to steal a game in Denver – with Jimmy playing like that is pretty amazing, right? Just considering everything, not to mention, you know, the, this team being an AC, Tyler not being here, everything we've already gone through for the past month or two. I, I just think they need more out of Jimmy. They only took, I believe, 11 shots at the rim uh, in game two. You know, the overwhelming majority of their shots were jumpers. And I think all of that was pretty good for that game just because they generated, and, and look, they did it in game one too. They generated so many good looks. And I just think, um, you know, they need more out of Jimmy, but at the same time, they've just gotten so much going with their perimeter oriented actions with Bam kind of in the high post and the constant weak side ball movement. Um, I don't know. I think they they found the nice blend here with their offense where it doesn't feel like Jimmy needs to put on the cape and take over in order for them to win games. And I know we're gonna talk about um the clutch stuff later, but Jimmy is still making his mark there, and that's really when you kind of see him just turn up a little bit still. Um, other than that, I, I think he is reading the game at a high level, despite the scoring. I know we met, we talked about this last night. I just think, um, you know, hearing him talk about it today, I walked in for the, for that exact question. Um, and just kind of hearing him once again, shut down the playoff Jimmy thing mm -hmm. and, um, 
I think he didn't like the question and kind of the the nature of the question where it felt like it was kind of um, taking a shot sort of at his scoring in these first two games and whether or not it needs to be better. He just completely shot down that notion that he's going to force the issue in any way. Um, he is always going to pound, hammer that home, that he's going to play the right way. I think he's making the right decisions for the most part. I think, you know, um, they're really loading up. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of that changed too. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, with the way that he's looked these past couple of games, maybe they don't send as much help and, and they're not loading up on him as much. And they're like, okay, we're going to see if you can actually still play that game, which is a very, very risky proposition. I may be wrong that they're going to try this, but I – I was thinking about it ahead of, of, of this podcast. And I, and I think that's what I would do if I was Mike Malone right now. Like I would, I would, like I mentioned on last night's podcast, I would switch a lot of those perimeter actions. Um, I would stop sending, I would stop coming up to the level on Max Struess, Duncan, Kyle, Gabe, just kind of, you know, the heat's best shooters and forcing the heat into these four on three situations where they're getting so much great offense out of. And I just think you, you try to, you know, muck, get things in, in the mud with um, Jimmy's offense, turn him into a score, turn Bam into a score with the switches. And maybe as a result, we see more of that of Jimmy kind of forcing the issue as a score, but the way that they're playing him right now, I think he's mostly making the right decisions, even though I would still like to see him get to the basket more. All that being said, um, I, I, I do still think they're going to need just, you know, a little bit more out of him. So the exact quote was, I'm not a scorer. I don't press to score. I press to win. Um, next one, Brady. And I'll give you this one because I know Alex was actually the one who listened to him today. But Caleb Martin uh, today came out and said that he's feeling a lot better. Uh, that The migraines from whatever it was, the altitude sickness, whatever it was he was dealing with in Denver, have receded. Um, he's not had a big role in this series offensively. But he, he did make a big three uh, late in that game, a really clutch shot. <laughs> I wasn't really expecting at the end of game two. And he also was on the floor for that defensive stretch, which has not been communicated enough, I think, as we've talked about it, what his role was in closing out that game. How much can be expected from him now that he's feeling a little better and he's home? Are, are, there, are there avenues, are there ways for him to make more of an impact offensively? Yeah, I'll say with you hitting on the home part, I think that's a big part of it because that's a guy that really does play well into the crowd. Like once he gets one to go, he finds a little rhythm just playing in that range. But uh, him just being back to health is the main part of this just because anytime he's been healthy, we've seen what he's been able to do. The question is how does Denver guard him? Because we start out in game one where they showed him a ton of attention. Like we keep talking about like Max's game one inefficiency was because he just missed open shots. Caleb was because they were giving him a ton of attention. They weren't helping off him like Boston was or these other teams were. Uh, they were forcing him to work. When he was getting to the rim, he was seeing two bodies on a lot of his layups. So it, the, the question is, heading into this game three, and now you're having to worry more about Bam on these four and threes, as Alex said, or the shooting in general with the way they've been shooting. There's probably going to be less worry about his attacks, and they're probably we're probably back to some of the Boston game plan. So that's why I do think it's important. I think they're going to need him because – this is setting up, to your point, to be a Caleb Martin game. This is setting up to be a Caleb Martin two-game homestand just because we're going to see that adjustment and just because they're going to force kind of like the, the idea that Alex was pointing out, trying to force Jimmy to beat you after after what we've seen. They're going to say, okay, well, until Caleb shows us that he can he can do this again, we're not going to guard him like this. So we'll, we'll see what he's able to do in the offensive end. But the big thing is he still has 
like you mentioned, a major impact defensively. Like even when he had he had zero points up till that three, and he was playing the entire fourth quarter. Like <laughs> that's just that the impact he was having, especially if they're going to be sitting in that zone, especially if they're going to be doing certain things with matchups. Caleb has to be on the floor. So uh, his health is important. That's why that's one of the biggest reasons they've got here. And that's why we've had the conversation that he's probably been their third best player on this run. All right. I'm going to finish with the fifth one here, but I'm going to go to the fourth one here with you, Alex. Uh, listening to the Nuggets today, they have been respectful of the Heat all the way along. But there's a little arrogance in their tone <laughs> that that I, p- I picked up today on today, and I think others did too. Um, and, and I don't think they mean it, but KCP – uh, Catavius Caldwell Pope basically said we played horrible. Um, uh, Jokic essentially spoke about the effort again. Uh, you know, we just can't let them uh, have so many open shots. The Nuggets again are making it about them. Uh, how fair is that? I mean, in, in a sense of how much of this is what the Heat have done to essentially, I mean, they took control of the series as much as you can when you, you go back 1-1 when you win a game in Denver where nobody's won in this postseason. Yeah, it's tough. And I think um, it's funny because I've heard some of that, too. And I know this is kind of a recurring thing with the Heat, especially with the national media members who kind of just don't know what to say about this team. Um, They end up going to kind of all the Nuggets mistakes. Like even, for example, um, just listening to Tim Legler on Zach Lowe's podcast today, he was going through just a lot of how the Nuggets stuff in game two, their, you know, mistakes and breakdowns ended up leading to that loss. And not to take a shot at Tim Legler in any way, because he was going through possession by possession. He was bringing up specific examples. So the guy was coming with absolute evidence. But that sort of un- underlying theme of, you know, teams beating themselves, right? It's kind of back here again. Um, it- it's it- it's both, right? It's a little bit of both. I think there was plenty of, like, if you're a Nuggets player or coach, you should absolutely be thinking about, like, well, what are the things that we can control? And what are, what are the things that um, led to some of those heat points. There was pl- they had plenty of mistakes, plenty of miscommunications um, in these couple of games, and I just think some of that is on them. But at the same time, it's because of the amount of stuff the Heat are throwing at them. Like I just think the Heat have really rounded into form here with their half court offense, and which it was the basis of my questions for Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon, just because I wanted to hear what they had to say about it. I just think their perimeter oriented actions and. The, the way that they're constantly throwing more and more actions at you throughout the, you know, through the whole shot clock, which Aaron Gordon was talking about. He's saying, you know, how rare it is for a team to do that, um, to make you defend the entire 24 seconds for the entire 48 minutes of a game and how rare that is. I, I think it leads them into those mistakes, into those breakdowns, like over and over and over again, you have to be on point and make those multiple efforts in their starting lineup. They have three guys who, try hard, but are not necessarily known as great defenders between Murray, Jokic, and Porter. Um, Like I've mentioned before, those guys aren't absolute traffic cones, but they're going to make mistakes. And I think that's just kind of the nature of having to guard all those actions. But yeah, there is something in what you're saying there with, um, I guess, the arrogance, because a lot of them, like Michael Porter was saying, you know, we know we, we let an opportunity go in game two. Um, Mike Malone was saying, kind of just ranting on all the the breakdowns and miscommunications after game two. Um, I think Aaron Gordon was just very, very relaxed today in media, but he doesn't seem, I mean, he was just, he's very complimentary of the heat in general and the Miami crowd, but um, just in general, I think that theme is still there. And, you know, obviously that quote that I, that I put out today kind of blew up a little bit when NBA 
Central aggregated it of Michael Porter Jr. talking about, you know, obviously if Gabe Vincent is guarding me, I feel like I can get the ball and go score. You know, it's funny because I, I didn't think he said that with much malice or I, I think it just kind of, um, you know, people see the quote and run with it. I knew that that quote was going to go crazy, but um, it makes sense. Like the guy is 6'10". Gabe Vincent is 6'1", 6'2". He should feel like he could go out there and get a bucket on Gabe Vincent every time. The fact of the matter is, I think the the matchup stats with those two are like, he's like one of six shooting on Gabe Vincent or something like that. So that hasn't been the case so far. Michael Porter was somebody who was supposed to be like a top five pick before he had those injuries in college. So he's obviously very, very talented. Um, but yeah, there is something to what you're saying there. I, I think they feel like they're the better team and there probably is a little bit of an emphasis of, well, if, you know, we control some of these uh, miscommunications and breakdowns, we've got it. But, you know, the Heat are, the Heat are going to do what they're going to do and they're going to keep putting that pressure on them. And, you know, we'll see if the Nuggets can actually clean up those breakdowns that they spend all day talking about. Well, one thing I want to mention about the breakdowns and the other thing that came. Hey, it's Ethan Skolnick for Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. As you know, we heard from Pat Riley recently. Everybody has an opinion on trades, free agency, who they should keep, who they should give up, who they should get. Well, whatever it is that Riley and the Heat do, you don't want them giving up too much and getting too little, right? Well, the same is true of shaving products. And that's why I use Harry's shaving products. I love the way it handles. I love the way it looks. And I love the quality of the shave. I have a little bit of trouble growing out a good beard so better to just shave it off and make sure that it looks somewhat professional. These are German-engineered blades made in their own factory, so they stay sharp longer. It means you can use them longer. And also, they've got customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as 2 bucks, half of what you pay for other big brands. Also, I would recommend the shaving lotion as well and the body wash. So check it out. You can go to harrys.com backslash five. That's harrys.com backslash five. You'll get a $13 trial set for just three bucks. Again, don't pay too much and get too little. Same is true of shaving as NBA transactions. harrys.com backslash five for your $3 trial set. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. About the Nuggets, and then I'll get to, to my comments here in a second. And then the second half of the episode, we're going to talk a little bit uh, more specifically about the the fourth quarter and the way that the Heat have played. But this just came out today. I mean, whatever the Nuggets think of the Heat, they are incredibly respectful of the Heat's coach. Uh, that that came across clearly today. That they believe uh, that that he's. I mean, he's doing a lot to mix things up. I don't think they meant that as a slight to their own coach, but essentially they were talking about all the coverages that that the heat were throwing out there um and 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 also that essentially when when the uh, th when they were calling out their plays that the heat were essentially doing the opposite <laughs> they, they they they're so tuned into everything that's going on and I, so i think the one person who is starting to finally get his flowers here from the heat is eric spolster and that's been consistent even if shannon sharp doesn't want to give him the flower his flowers he's getting it from everywhere else 
But the other thing I want to say is this isn't just about Spo. And this is the takeaway I got from just listening to Heat players today. The leadership on this team right now is tremendous. It really is. Like, it's it's otherworldly good. And, you know, some of it is what they're doing with Bam right now, which is that I think they understand Bam as a teammate and a human being. And he's one of those who needs this reassurance. And for Jimmy Butler to come out again today and say, and this was also aggregated when I tweeted it by NBA Central, when he was when he came out today and said, you know, Bam is going to be the reason we win the championship. Now, some took that as Jimmy's deflecting because he's not scoring at the same rate that he did before. But that's not what Jimmy's doing. If you follow this team in the entire year, he knows Bam needs that. And that strengthens their relationship, their bond, which we've talked about a lot this year and some of the ups and downs and everything else. But the fact that he's putting it on Bam, I think, is the right thing to do. But it's not just Bam. Kevin Love today, and I know you were there for him, Alex, him talking about understanding why Eric Spolster went smaller in a previous series and why he'd be needed now. And he said that before he started in game two. And just Kevin, Kevin's been tremendous. There's no question. Okay, he's been tremendous with his leadership. His teammates love him. It's been a great stop for him. But also Kyle Lowry. Uh, I finally got a chance to listen to some of what he said today. And again, uh, Spolster talking about the decision to, to bring Lowry off the bench and why he accepted that. This team has great leadership, and Gary Payton even spoke to it. Uh, Matt Issa wrote a piece today where he spoke to Gary Payton about how, and we've talked about this too on the podcast, how Kyle Lowry is essentially playing the Gary Payton role. He's making a lot more money doing it than Gary did at the end of his career, but his role is very similar to the role that Gary played in 2006, which was occasionally come in and settle the offense, try to make some big shots, uh, and provide that leadership from the bench. And now the Heat have become this place where Hall of Famers, whether it's Ray Allen or Gary Payton, or Kevin Love, or Kyle Lowry. And both of those guys, by the way, are going to make the Hall of Fame eventually. If you look at all the projections, they may not be first ballot. This is where like veterans who were Hall of Fame types can come, put their egos aside, and still contribute to a championship run. And that doesn't get talked about as much as the undrafted thing, but that's a great card for the Heat to have in their back pocket in the future. Like They're going to be a team that any guy who's like 32 to 35 years old who's had this sort of historic career, who wants to put a bow on it, comes to Miami and fills this role. And now with Udonis Haslam leaving, there's spots for those guys to take even more control. And so whatever happens with Lowry in the offseason, and a lot of that is contract related, I fully anticipate Kevin Love is going to be in that locker room next year. And I fully anticipate if Kyle Lowry is not, there will be another guy like a Kyle Lowry who's brought in to fill that role because I think they understand the importance of that. And the reality is Denver doesn't really have that. They have Jeff Green. Um, who's a respected vet, but Jeff Green is not at the level of a Kyle Lowry or a Kevin Love in terms of championship pedigree and all that, And I do, th- or Udonis Haslam, and I do think that that makes a difference. All right, we're going to talk next about the fourth quarter in this episode. I do want to mention a couple more sponsors. First, Prize Picks. Use that code 5, F-I-V-E. Get that initial deposit matched up to $100. We talk about it all the time, but we're running promos, contests, all kinds of different stuff. This is the number one fantasy app. You can get it from the Google Play Store, the Apple App Store, or prizepicks.com. You can also play – you want to play baseball with it, okay? You've got a guy on the Marlins hitting 400 right now. You want to play Stanley Cup Finals, you can do that too. You can play everything, but, of course, we promote the NBA here. So check it out, prizepicks. Use the code 5, F-I-V-E. Better Edge is our gambling partner. Use the code 5RSN. Get $20 to play. This is legal. can't find others that are legal. It's legal. It's based out of Minneapolis, not offshore – You'll get your money right away. You're betting against others who use it, not against the uh, bookie or the app itself. 
That's why it's legal. So check it out. That's with an O. BetterEdge.com. And I do want to mention one more sponsor um, here before we go. And that's our friend over at c-armstaffing.com. That's our guy, Nelson. I actually was at our last watch party. The chiropractic business is very competitive. One way a chiropractor can increase his revenue is by contacting mobile C-arm and staffing services for in-office pain management injections. The same patients that the chiropractor is already seeing can be a candidate for these said procedures. MCSS will provide the equipment and the pain management doctor for the procedures. It's a great way to increase revenue. This is also true for pain doctors who only do their own their pain management procedures at a surgery center. So cut the red tape. If you have procedures at your office, the reimbursement is much greater. Check them out again at 561. This is our guy Nelson, 891-9620. That's 561-891-9620. Huge Miami Heat fan, Nelson Solomon. Or you can find him at c-armandstaffing.com. C-armandstaffing.com. All right, let's get to the Endpoint of this episode, we're going to talk about the endpoint of games, the fourth quarter. So stat comes out today. Um, you guys either have it handy. Basically, the Heat are being outscored in all three quarters in the playoffs until the fourth, where they're outscoring opponents by 90 points over the course of the postseason. This is almost solely responsible for how they've jumped up from a team that was a negative net rating team in the regular season to a team that is third in net rating in the postseason and climbing, obviously, because one of those teams, Boston, is out. Um, and also offensive rating, a team that was bottom, what, bottom third of the league or worse for most of the year. Right now, their net rating offense or their, excuse me, their offensive rating would have ranked sixth in the regular season overall. And it's third in the playoffs, almost second. But again, almost all of that is the fourth quarter. Brady, why? Why is it working so well in the fourth? Well, to that point, let me just start with some quick numbers because that's funny that you bring up it's almost whole like fully the fourth uh, fourth quarter that's doing that. So as a whole across the playoffs, the second best net rating in the fourth quarter was the Lakers at 8.7, the Heater in first at 19.3. <laughs> like That'll put some context on how good they've been in that quarter. Uh and it's been a bunch of things. Like, there's the fact that they have 122 offensive rating in the fourth, 102 defensive. And the defensive what stands out most to me. Uh, the fact that they've – you ask why is it happening, and you talked about Shannon Sharp kind of not crediting Eric Spolstra in game two. My answer to the, to the why it's happening is Eric Spolstra. I, I really believe that. It doesn't even – it's not even fresh on my mind from this game two, the fact that he – I thought he made the biggest adjustment, obviously, that we talked about going zone, mixing things up, kind of sh- – his favorite word, shape-shifting everything defensively in that fourth quarter to kind of throw things off. It's been a lot of that. And I remember earlier in the playoffs, and, and this was kind of midway, I'd say, through the Boston series, I think Bam was uh, at like 23%, 24% forcing offensive players shooting-wise in the fourth quarter. Like, they could not score on him in the fourth quarter, that they would just kind of turn things around defensively in a certain way. And as I was also looking at some other numbers, because as much as I'm talking about defense – they're also scoring really well, obviously, in the in the fourth quarter. Because to your point, they're averaging they're plus ninety in the fourth quarter. Now I was looking at some percentages. So you have guys like in the fourth quarter, Duncan Robinson, fifty one percent shooting, forty eight percent from three. Gabe Vincent, fifty four percent shooting, fifty percent from three. Uh, Caleb Martin, fifty percent shooting, forty one percent from three. And I could just keep going down the line. It's like every single person has just shot really well and played really well in the fourth quarter. Part of that maybe is you know you have a good long stint of 
kind of your the lineup that you want to play down the stretch, and you can kind of do different things with that. It was depending on the matchup, depending on the night. Um, I mean that also goes back to Spo just kind of mixing things up on the fly. But yeah, I don't even know if you could fully put your finger on exactly because it's different context for every game. But it's this is not a normal stat. Like the fact that Ethan, you sent to the one of the graphics that was like first quarter minus one, second quarter minus eleven, third quarter minus twelve, and then fourth quarter plus ninety. We've been on the opposite side of teams playing the the quarter battle. Now the Heat could throw that around. They could start throwing around the, the the winning the fourth quarter new thing because this is actually something that's pretty crazy. I even think about uh, there's the context of Jimmy Butler because we think back to even the, specifically, I guess, the Milwaukee series, but he's done before. He's played really good in the first quarter and he's played really good in the fourth quarter where he's kind of closed things out. I think he's even still at around eight to nine points a game in the fourth quarter across his playoff run. So he's still being able to do his thing and get the necessary buckets down the stretch. Uh, but I don't think there's a clear answer. The only clear answer I could give you is Eric Spolster and him just kind of finding his groove, I guess, at that point in the game. But, okay, so I'll give you that, that it's mostly Spo. But, Alex, isn't it also about the certain – I mean, there's a calmness to the players in those situations. It's like, okay, the chicken or the egg, like what comes first? You've been in a lot of those situations, so you're calm in them or you're calm in them. And so, yeah, so, so basically you make the right decisions down the stretch. But it's the crazy thing about this fourth quarter thing is it hasn't like he's been a set five guys. Like it's typically, okay, it's been Bam and Jimmy, but sometimes with Jimmy, it's like the last eight minutes. Okay, with the last game, it was like six and a half minutes when he finally put him back in. We've seen Bam not play entire fourth quarters. We've seen Strews close some games, but more often it's actually been Duncan Robinson getting fourth quarter minutes in sort of the shooter role. Caleb has closed most games, but not all. Um, Oladipo was closing some games earlier in the postseason, so that actually factors into it. They haven't had Tyler, who was a 12-minute fourth-quarter player for them as recently as like a season ago. They haven't had him in a single fourth quarter in the entire postseason. Um, and like, and sometimes it's Gabe, and sometimes it's Kyle, and sometimes it's both. So why? Why is it working so well? It's a good question. And I think what you're talking about with Spo, like he he's definitely a big part of this. Obviously, it's not only him. I just think, um, as you mentioned there, it's not like he has a certain group that he goes to. I think he just kind of realizes in the moment, you know, who's having a better game and who is the better fit for what we're trying to do here after having kind of assessed throughout the game what's going on, right? And what, what the other team is doing. I just think Spo has gotten better and better as his career has gone on specifically with in-game adjustments. He's always been good at it. I, I think people have overblown some of the the quote-unquote stubborn stuff throughout the years, but I think like the quickness with with which he'll make adjustments, um, not only in a series, but in the middle of a game, I, I think has a, a big part to do with their fourth quarter success. And if you look back to the 2020 season, they were like not very good in the clutch. And then in the bubble, were absolutely fantastic. And I know Cooper Moorhead would always point that out back then. Um, then, you know, just kind of looking through some of these numbers, I was going through last season, right? Their number one seed season. They were barely, barely neutral. I mean, basically neutral in the clutch last season. It was a base uh, a 0.3 net rating. And then in the playoffs, it was a 17.7 net rating. So again, you know, this is what they've done um for years in the past and you know we spent all, all year talking about how you know all these clutch games um how annoying it was to have to deal with especially with teams that are supposed to be inferior to you 
And like you said, it's a chicken or egg thing, but I, de- I kind of lean towards, you know, all these clutch situations, whether through the years or over this season alone have helped these guys kind of get hardened to the situation. And, you know, there's a certain, there's a certain poise with the group in the fourth quarter. And, you know, again, with the numbers, they were, they had a, a 14.7 net rating in the clutch this season. And in the playoffs, that number is up to 30. So a 30 net rating in the clutch is just absolutely ridiculous. Like they are destroying teams in the clutch in the playoffs. And we know the caliber of teams that they've gone up against. Right. And again, Jim, <laughs> Jimmy kind of doing it by himself early on. No Tyler, the, the shooting going down in the Knicks series, just a whole lot of different circumstances and, and having to go through the Bucks, the Celtics, and now the Nuggets. I, it's really just incredible to me that they're able to keep this up. Like, it's one thing to go all year and be a great, which they were the best clutch team all season, but to n- not only continue that, but to almost double <laughs> your kind of your, your clutch output in the playoffs against some of the best teams in the league. It just does, doesn't make any sense, but that's kind of the theme of this whole run. I think in general, just these guys are very poised and, you know, the undrafted stuff kind of comes back into this because I, I do think, because of the the stuff that they've all gone through, all these different players, whether undrafted or not, because a lot of these guys do have similar stuff going on. Jimmy being the th- you know the thirtieth pick in the draft, um, Lowry was a later pick. Tyler and Bam were later lottery picks, and then uh, like I mentioned, all the undrafted guys. There's a certain resolve. They have a certain resolve to like, okay, you know, we can go through all this stuff and still come out on the other side. You know, the Heat have spent all this time talking about the beauty and the struggle, and I do think. You know, um, they believe in that stuff and all the struggle that they had this season has has led to this. I didn't think um, we would be here right now, but here we are. So I'm going to close with this uh, and we appreciate uh, Brady and Alex here. Uh, Greg will be back tomorrow for postgame coverage. Uh, we'll have pregame show as always with Jonathan Ramlikan and the crew about an hour before the game that's on the YouTube channel. Make sure you like subscribe and hit the notifications so that you get all of our content. We had about 25 videos go up today. So if you don't hit the notifications on YouTube, you won't get them. Um, but I want to close with this. This is from our guy, Brian Fonseca, who you hear here on Five on the Floor. He'll be on tomorrow night as well. The Miami Heat are plus 67 in game threes during this playoff run. They beat the Bucks 121 to 99. They beat the Knicks 105 to 86. They beat the Celtics 128 to 102. And as of now, he tweeted this about nine, about 12 minutes ago, 83% of the money and 73% of the spread bets are on the Denver Nuggets minus two and a half on the road in a 1-1 series tomorrow. This is how the Heat like it. And if you don't believe in them, they don't give a damn. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off. 
buy rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.